0: And talking
1: to our friends. Hello everyone and welcome to the Hellboy Book Club. My name is John Salinas and I'm here with
2: Aubrey Loveless.
3: And I'm Daniel. And I'm Matt Shrekbine.
1: Hey Matt. What's up, Matt? How's it going? Hey gang. So like I say every week, if you're really enjoying the show, give us a review, get on your podcast service, and tell everyone how great you think the show is and also tell a friend if you have someone that's into comics, you know, get them hooked on our show.
4: Or tell them how bad it is if you just strictly <laughs> listen to it to make fun of us. That's also we're fine with that.
1: And also check out all of our pals. You want to check out Mike Maniola's art on Facebook, check out the com. You can buy prints from them, you can buy stuff from Skeleton Crew, buy sketchbooks from Lawrence Campbell and Duncan Figaredo and all that good stuff.
4: Yes, definitely super good stuff in there
1: yeah and i wanted to talk a little bit about this we got some original art this week from you matt that is so crazy you sent us some of the pages from bprd Your, are actually your first piece in bprd which was featured in yeah. issue 135 what the heck man so
4: thank
2: you so much <laughs> ah i wanted you guys to have
1: that it's a gift
4: so sweet we were really stunned to see those yeah john was beside himself
1: i i knew that you were sending us something in the mail but i had no idea what it was going to be and yeah opening that thing was just um yeah it was a mind boggle
3: yeah well you're welcome but i i was nervous they were going to show up all damaged or bent or something but i'm glad they got there in one piece yeah best part
2: yeah thank you so much i know you'll
3: give them a home you know let them see the light of day whereas at my house they were just sitting in portfolios collecting dust oh yeah of course of course i'm definitely going to frame those guys we
4: were super excited and of course we're huge fans of original art but to have these pages and i guess we can't i don't know like exactly show everyone the art quite yet because it's kind of down the line but
1: a lot of our hardcore listeners i guess who have read the back issues right. probably have already seen oh them. sure but it, it'll be coming up soon so right, we'll be right. able to talk about it well, you I'm, know in a couple yeah. of weeks i hope
4: in any case it's um you know having original pages is such a fucking awesome thing and so uh especially though because you know we're friends and and stuff it's nice to have your your pages but my gosh I was Very generous. Thank you so much for sending those. Thank you.
3: Yeah, you got and There's a maybe there's a different kind of energy in those pages, too, because normally when I draw anything, I'm just filled with anxiety and angst. (laughs) And, you know, I just feel like, (laughs) oh, these are terrible. But with those and any of the BPRD or Hellboy stuff I did, I was constantly thinking. I can't believe they're letting me draw this. Right. <laughs> yeah. And and it was always like, draw whatever you need to put in the story, any character. And I, so when I was drawing it, there was a special kind of excitement that's not normally there. Well, I think oh, that's yeah. part of
4: why it means so much to us is because yeah. we know it means a lot to you. Yeah. And, and um, yeah. you know, aside from the, the already very impressive thing of an artist gifting us original pages – just the fact that it, it means so much to to you and to us is it's quite special. Yeah, so, it really reading is. Hellboy comics and talking to your friends. I know, really.
1: <laughs> it being the total nerd that I am, I was looking at those pages and I was like, Oh, we gotta read another trade yeah. before we get into this because there was a uh, there, there was some stuff in there in those pictures that I was like, ah, we gotta add that to the <laughs> reading order. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> We had some feedback on that, too. Ryan Yule said, that's incredible. I always love Matt's backup, recap, reaction stories whenever they show up. Eddie White said, if I was inclined towards buying stuff like that, I would actually prefer to have one of his. I have so much respect and admiration for him. Kill the Black Friday. Oh, wow. Wow. Joel's, hey,
3: where are you reading this? This is from it's, Facebook. Oh, maybe I should get back on social media. Last time I was there, everyone was saying mean things. This sounds Aww.
1: great. <laughs> the, the The mean stuff is still out there, but these are just the comments on our page. You know, I if there's any mean comments that I see on our stuff, I just delete it. I don't have time for that. Have you had that. to okay. moderate um, very much Very at all? rarely. Like somebody, you know, it was funny because last week on our Hellboy and Hell episode, we had somebody talk about how a lot of people hate Hellboy and Hell, and oh. they didn't get it. And then so I actually That's had weird. a comment on one of my posts, and it was on Facebook, And somebody wrote something negative about the story I guess they didn't like it and it's probably someone who's only read it one time. I'm sure. thinking, or they didn't really.
4: I've uh, only read it one time. They weren't I was able to process spectacular. it. Spectacular. But
1: anyway, they wrote something negative about what they thought about right. it, and I just deleted the comment because I'm just like, "There's no fucking. This is who's... my kingdom here. I don't yeah. have time for that shit. Who has time so. for that <laughs> yeah, yeah. shit?
4: That's ridiculous.
1: So yeah, but but usually the stuff that I post on our pages are, is all pretty positive. And this was on our Ooh. post where I kind of showed off Matt that you had sent us these pages. Jules Oliveros said, oh, wow, kill the Black Flame. Drew Campbell said, holy crap. And Jason Abaddon said, a kingly gift indeed. Aw. Yeah, (laughs) and Jerry Turnbull said, I would love some of his Agent Howard story. Does he sell his art too? And so uh, you actually hooked up Jerry with some pages. Is this cool to talk about? Yeah, sure. Yeah, those pages have now been snatched up.
4: That's
1: awesome. So, nice. Yeah. So if anyone else wanted to buy pages from you, how could they contact you or what is a good way for them to get in touch with you? I know you're on Instagram under Friends of Bean, right? Yeah, sure.
3: People can contact me there or my Gmail is on my podcast. That And your podcast is? The Letter Hack Podcast, and that's available on Podbean right now. I'm, I'm thinking re- about upgrading and going elsewhere, too. Online, but uh, um, yeah, I think I'm on my website as well. I think there's another way to contact me. I'm out there, man. Great, great.
2: But yeah, no, uh, I really do enjoy your podcast, Matt. It's really, it's really fun listening yeah. to.
3: Oh, thanks. Yeah, did you hear the one recently about getting attacked by a police? Dog? I did listen to that. I did one. that one. one. That was so crazy. <laughs> True story. Yeah. Anyway, I don't want to hijack this podcast. <laughs> All right, and now we're going to go on to some
1: listener feedback. Hey, you damn guy.
0: comics and talking to our friends hey, boy book club is very very buff.
1: we had a hi ye dong boings from brian levy <laughs> <What's that>? <laughs> <laughs> brian levy wrote in he said it's been a while since i wrote in hi again bprd ended for good in march and since then i've been in this weird hellboy limbo where it's kind of hard to wrap my brain around the whole Mignolaverse. i haven't even read beast of vargu yet this world has been a constant companion of mine for a decade and now the main story has concluded the stuff that was a mystery to me and kept me anxiously waiting for more is now stuff that i know not that i didn't like the ending but i kind of liked it better not knowing how the end played out I liked it being a looming thundercloud, but now that the metaphysical storm has already passed, the sun is out and we're in a new present, post-Hellboy ending. Weird, right? But that's life. The future catches up with you whether you're ready for it or not, and I don't think I was ready for it. As such, I stopped engaging with you all for a while, stopped my Mignolaverse articles, and stopped listening to the podcast, sorry, and stopped thinking about it altogether. But I've always come back to it. For God's sake, I have two different Mignola tattoos. I've never loved a story like I love this one. Even if the end isn't necessarily my favorite thing in the entire universe, it's the end of a road paved with some of my most favorite stuff ever. I'm beyond grateful for it. I'm also thrilled that the podcast has caught up to where I jumped on reading these stories as they were published. I started around Bits of Time Wasteland, Hellboy, and Hell Period, and it's great to hear y'all talking about it. Brings back fond memories of college, just devouring these books whenever I could get my hands on them. From the Danger Room, Olympia, Washington's fantastic comic shop. Anyway, I've been rambling this whole time, but I love what y'all do and keep it up. Absurd to believe that it's been a year since the podcast started. Love you guys, Brian Levy. Yeah, so I thought that was a great bit of feedback and maybe not too relatable to you guys. Were you going to say something? Go ahead.
2: I wanted to touch on the whole like, okay, so I know it's coming to an end kind of thing, story. Part of me is like, wow, okay, I don't want it to end, but another part of me is like, I'm glad it has an ending.
1: Right, Because
2: there have been times like, you know, books that I've loved and I've read the story and then when it's over I'm like, yeah, it's over. And then I just kind of like push it away and I don't think about it or anything and then eventually I'll kind of revert back to it and then I'll be like revisit the world again. Yeah. So, I'm glad that I'm getting this kind of enjoyment from there. I'm glad that people I mean it's just glad that this is a story that people can enjoy like that yeah, yeah. it's
1: also
4: good that it has an end so it doesn't have a chance to become crap
1: right yeah. which yeah.
4: inevitably is something that, that does, will yeah happen. that does
1: eventually happen to a lot of um, ongoing franchises I was telling Aubrey earlier, I was catching up on Amazing Spider-Man recently. I was all hyped up of the movie, and it was great. You know, the stuff that they're doing, I've been enjoying it. But it was also like, it didn't hit me the way that this stuff does. Even rereading stuff that I've already read, it was just kind of like, oh, Spider-Man and Mary Jane are back together again. Like, how many times has this happened? Like, a million times, you know? And it's just kind of like...
3: They can just reboot it.
1: It's not so
4: much a story as a money-making machine, which is fine, Yeah. I understand, like, that aspect. That's totally... I'm not, you know, whatever. But it's just, like... Sometimes you want to read it a fucking... Actually, a good story for the story's sake. And yeah. not just to consume media.
2: You know, I was saying to John that... That's why you just got to find, like, a good writer. Like, somebody you enjoy. Right. And just read their story. And then when it's done, go with them. Yeah. You know?
1: Go- yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean,
2: on the big two. Because... Don't get me wrong. Spider-Man is always going to be there. There's always going to be Spider-Man. Yeah. So... You know, find what you like, read it, enjoy it. Yeah, go on to the next one, and then eventually you can get back to it.
4: No, oh, and I I feel that with I have my favorite X Men stories. Yeah, it's like you know, all of the such and such era or the such and such right, run. Right. This run was a good run. You know what I mean? Like it's it really does come down to are you telling a good story? Yeah, and. You know, I think that sometimes the whole making, you know, we have to make sure that we leave this story on a cliffhanger. We have to make sure that we leave this story open ended so that, you know, we can completely reverse everything that we just did and completely, you know what I mean? Like, whatever the fuck. And so I think that. There is some benefit to having a story that's got a beginning, a middle, and a fucking end. Right. Oh, definitely, definitely, definitely. Is that you can really tell a good fucking story the way that you want to tell it and not have someone immediately turn around and be like, nope, none of this happened, by the way. Right, right. So, yeah. it's nice.
1: Yeah, and just that whole idea that Brian's talking about, about the thing ending and still kind of like... There's kind of this weird post. This is where um, Matt has such a good cartoon that he drew after BPRD 15 came out where you it kind of talks about this a little bit, Matt, right? Like that post ending feeling and all the stuff that's kind of wrapped up with that.
3: Yeah, yeah. Like you want to let me know that I should be in rehab without <laughs> I mean, it's like, you know, so the whole time they're being very blunt about what's going on outside of the comic, you know, like when they talk about it. But I keep thinking, oh, no, I mean, they're not going to end it all. Come on. They're not going to end the series. It's not all going to go away. And I don't even really know what happened. Right. Yeah. But I it's do still vague, feel yeah. I do feel withdrawal. And this is going to be a period I look back on one day, hopefully, and go, wow, that was really weird. Yeah. Like we were literally in the void. Yeah. And I don't know if that's like if it's over or I refuse to accept it. But, like, I, I really did suddenly have to, you know, go back and read a whole bunch of comics. Yeah. Just to be like, I'm not ready for it to be over. And I've never felt that way with comics before.
1: Right. Yeah, that's a good point. And, and I also carry that. But it's like, the podcast has been just keeping me going. Like I couldn't yeah, like yeah. like right. I had to like I read the issue and then literally I had to start getting ready for the next show. So it's almost like, but there is this weird yeah this this weird kind of I know void what you're saying though like I, I yeah. get
4: that way with a book I'll like finish I'm like no this book is not over yeah where's the rest of this book there <laughs> needs to be more book I want to keep reading this book and so yeah to get that with a uh, sequential art with a graphic novel or whatever is so precious. And special,
3: yeah. But I do check myself, and I don't want to ruin the comic that I made for anyone who who isn't ready for it yet. But it is just a comic, yeah, right. Yeah. And at, I can say that while at the same time being upset when people go, "You read comics? Aren't those for kids?" Because obviously <laughs> they haven't read a comic since the 80s, if ever, right? right? Even They're those totally were. Not, I mean, there yeah. were
4: lots of whatever quote-unquote comics that definitely children should not read them, even in the 80s. Oh, yeah, yeah. So oh, I yeah. never understood that <laughs> mentality of like, whoa, you put words and pictures together? haha <laughs> you're dumb. Like, do you watch movies? Okay, cool. Like, what is your point? I don't yeah. understand this. It's just a mode right. of storytelling. It's a type of art. And it takes so much fucking skill to do it well. It's just, that always, yeah, that always struck a nerve with me. That's just so strange.
3: But it's part of why I want to make yeah. my own. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Material because when I'm done with something, I'm like, well, that was great. Now I'm inspired, you know. Yeah, Yeah.
2: for sure. So, um, knowing what the ending is as we're rereading it, is it helping you pick out things? Yes, that's for sure.
1: uh, sure It is. Yeah, for sure. It is. It's framed my reading experience in a whole different way and i can totally get your point mad of like when you get to it you want to go back and read a whole bunch of other stuff that you already read it's like a self-fulfilling machine or whatever it's like a see, perpetual motion machine and so as you get as you read more of it you want to go back and reread the stuff that you read and as you reread that stuff then you want to read and it's just like yeah this whole thing
2: see that's something i'm actually looking forward to because I, I like reading something a second time or yeah. a third time or even watching a movie over because, you know, sometimes, you know, you just get more on your second, yeah. third time around.
4: John will go on a bender. I'll see him. He's picking stuff out of the bookshelf. He's running. <laughs> he, he goes to the closet. He's digging in his long boxes. He's like, There where's that issue? I wanted to find it. Like it's very, you know.
1: <laughs> yeah. Awesome. So great letter. Thanks so much, Brian. It's good to have you back ryan yule said congratulations on 50 episodes jerry turnbull said always nice when matt appears i was familiar with lawrence campbell from 2000 ad and the odd marvel issue but wasteland really cemented him as a favorite his art is so horrifically disturbingly real the panel with the mom in the jacket is pretty distressing agent howards man what a character him and anders are my two favorite characters or is it three that's what he said because i guess uh yeah yeah like no
2: Dan that's Array, all that kind of, yeah. yeah
1: drew campbell said i always assume the name of agent howard's being plural referred to both robert e howard and howard phillips lovecraft because it's <laughs> howard's Ooh. yeah so maybe it's both of the howard's i like that jen niklas said little anecdote about the people reading hellboy a friend was torn between "I don't get it, Macoma," and "This is bad." Oh. But he thought for a while that Joker by Brian Azzarello was the greatest shit ever,
0: <laughs> which mostly
1: consists of people posing and quacking. Yeah, jeez. <laughs> but at this time, I learned that it's true. You have to learn reading comics, the same as with classics and other books, because there's reading words, and then there's reading all of it. Because comics are their own language, and Mike has mastered this one still sad if nobody gets it interestingly the same friend like seat of destruction and i think this was this was because it was more conventional before mike developed his own style it's pictures with lots of words works every time yeah i thought that was some interesting feedback thank you jen niklas
2: oh crap i had something
4: uh you gonna say jen niklas of a club member
1: oh yeah was it about brian azarello joker
2: Earlier this week, I was reading some um, some comic from one of the big twos, and I was just sitting there looking at the art, and I was just like, "This art is just objectively bad." <laughs> it's it, um, I don't even know who the artist was. me that's how bad. Oh, well,
4: we we shouldn't even name him anyway. Yeah, exactly. So mean, but yeah, but it, it's I just yeah. bad in what way? Bad like it, it wasn't telling a story. Okay, or... it's
2: it's bad that it wasn't to- the story wasn't making any sense on its own. Sure. It didn't flow right, right, right. perfectly, so it wasn't telling a story. But also. Anatomy was just out oh, the window. Yeah. Oh, okay, it's hey, kind of comics. Balloon boobs. And it, it it was like a tie-in to another story that I'm reading and I'm like No ribs. And I'm like why am I reading this fucking comic? Yeah,
4: sure. <laughs> I've had that moment where I'm like why am I Yeah. But then I went tracing I was just, porn magazines. <laughs> it wasn't wasn't
2: wasn't him. Uh, <laughs> sure, sure, sure. And I was just like I got I got annoyed so I just put it down and I was like I'm going to read a story for this week. And so I read yeah. the BPRD and I'm like oh, so, yeah, that gorgeous Sebastian Fumara art. Yeah. And then Max right after him.
0: Yeah. <sighs>
4: it's a real breath of fresh air to see good storytelling and just beautifully man. composed yeah. pages.
2: And, and, you know, and it's not just those two, it's like every artist we've been reading. Like, they're sure. all really good. It's been really good, yeah. You know. Uh, and, and with it's...
4: Dave Stewart coloring all of it,
2: man, it's just. We're
4: never let down by that either.
2: So, I, I, I have to say, I have been a little spoiled by this this wonderful artwork yeah <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah
1: it does make it weird going back and reading some of the <laughs> mainstream stuff it, it, going back and reading
2: like superhero art style is yeah. just sure. I'm like, yeah oh. i feel like i could see
3: that some of those mainstream books sometimes it's like they drew it and then said okay like here's the basic story just draw it we need 22 pages or whatever and then they were like all right let's uh get the writer in here to <laughs> figure out what the dialogue is going to be and <laughs> You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they do it oh, yeah. backwards. Sure. Right, right. Sometimes I really – I feel like that's what's happening. Like these feel – and I don't know if this is bad or not. I mean it's just the way it is, so whatever. But sometimes I feel like I'm looking at somebody's portfolio samples. Right. Like it's just a like, lot of posing and there's really no yeah.
4: storytelling or the motion doesn't make sense. or. Yeah. But there's plenty of artists that we can – Appreciate like Mike Allred. Oh yeah,
1: I I, I I think that there. I I want to say that lately. Well, I mean, you were reading like a current big event thing, but I I feel like okay, it was from
2: two (laughs) thousand and nine. Okay,
1: okay, but I think like for the most part, there has been some really great artists coming up. Yeah, you know that you know on on my Instagram, most of the artists that I follow are are more um, doing really cool stuff more than like. And I'm not saying you can't do stylized stuff. Like,
4: there's plenty of stylized artists that still tell a story that still have you know the characters movements are all making sense it's just beautifully illustrated and all the scenery is but you know who's that what's that guy uh his name is fucking um quietly oh yeah yeah. it's got a weird weird style but it's still like oh i can't stop looking at it you know
2: well, I mean, and to be fair, this was like an offshoot comic, side comic to a main story sure, sure. that I'm yeah, reading yeah. from a character that nobody gives a shit about. It's the B team. <laughs> yeah. Probably, they were probably just phoning it in. And it was probably a new guy, uh, right. you know, trying to break into... And he's into,
4: just doing this book so he can yeah. end up eventually doing the books he wants to do. Sure, it's sure. not a story he even gives a shit about, maybe, right. you know, like... Yeah. yeah. Sure. That's sad.
2: Yeah. That's like a whole nother... Issue we can right, talk about yeah. Also, they probably don't get
4: paid well to do that shit. I think the rates are still like the way they oh, were yeah. in the eighties. Yeah, that that's right? a whole
1: other thing and deadlines and all that stuff. God. So lately we've had so much Neil Diamond talk on oh. the podcast. It's really <sighs> funny how much we've had. So Drew Campbell <sighs> had his own anecdote here. He said, I forgot to mention that I used to hear Neil Diamond's Hot August Night when my dad played it when I was a kid. I didn't know anything about bongs. <laughs> 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 And my imagined interpretation of the cover was considerably more obscene. And I honestly don't remember much of the album, but one clear memory is I have this, uh, there's one song, (laughs) I'm sorry, I'm just laughing. There's this one song, You're So Sweet. It starts out with him singing the word you're kind of slow and dragged yeah. out and there's a long pause after it.
2: Oh yeah, okay, I know that one. Sounds like Eeyore when he says That's it. what he
1: says and he says it oh, sounds really? like Eeyore and my brothers and I used to fill out the long pause with the name of the other characters from Winnie wow. the Pooh. I'm sure my parents loved hearing that every time. <laughs> Shit, that's
2: awesome!
1: So good. Oh man, it's so funny that you and Drew also interpreted that
3: as Eeyore. That's I think that's yeah. It's it's really because the first time I heard it, I was like, "Man, this guy's weird. Why is he saying Eeyore? You know what is Because like, there's there were some people trying to check out that concert for free by climbing up in trees because it's outdoors. I you know? know. Yeah. So every now and then he he'll say, "I'm singing for you too, tree people." Oh, you okay. Know? <laughs> <laughs> and then when I thought he was saying Eeyore, I was like, all right, what am I not connecting here? Is there something <laughs> happening on stage that I, that's missing when I listen to Jesse audio or whatever? But but he was not saying that. So, yeah. anyway. It's really funny. Eeyore!
1: Sweet. Oh, yeah. Thanks for that, Drew. When I posted about the gang riding the horses in Wasteland, Techbat de Sequoia said, yippee Kaye, Baba Yaga. <laughs> 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 that was pretty good. Uh-huh. Um, I shared uh, some pictures of Lawrence Campbell's merch this week. Please go check him out for prints and signed sketchbooks. Taylor Dottiman said, The connecting covers in the print pictured are some of my absolute favorites from the whole verse. Such an amazing artist. Like all the wonderful contributors to these books that we've been blessed with. Yeah, so I don't know if you notice on the Hell on Earth omnibuses that we're reading through, the covers all connect. And they make that print that I posted this week. Yeah,
2: I I didn't notice it when we were reading it, but then when uh, that comment Oh, okay. I looked at it, I was like, oh shit, they do connect.
1: Patrick Yokers said, I'm way behind on the podcast, but I have to hand it to you guys for continuing to spotlight all the brilliant creators involved in this universe. And so, yeah, thank you. I really appreciate that comment. And, you know, sometimes I feel like we don't do it as much. We don't mention the artists and the colorists as, as much as we should. But, yeah, you know, always want to make sure to support all the artists that we're enjoying every week. All right, and now we're going to get to our book club episode for the week. This week we're talking about Abe Sapien, Dark and Terrible. This is a three-issue arc published in April 2013. Dark and Terrible was originally the name of a stalled Hellboy and Abe Sapien story that Mignola was working on in 96. Some elements of the story ended up becoming part of the Plague of Frogs. That old story doesn't really have anything to do with this new one that we're going to be reading this week. Written by Mignola and Scott Alley. Art by Sebastian Fumara. So we've seen Max Fumara's art on a bunch of the series. And so this is his brother Sebastian and he goes by Seba as short. Colors by Dave Stewart and letters by Clem Robbins. I thought it was interesting for this. uh, We're looking at the omnibus for the chapter one art. They actually put the art from the cover of issue two and they don't have the issue one uh, cover in here. I think it's in the back with all the sketchbook stuff. We
2: open I do like this cover though.
1: Yo, oh, yeah, it's great. I really love how he draws Abe. We open up in Palisade, Colorado, and it's pretty gruesome right from the beginning, right? We hear somebody chanting and we see like, you know, all these little girls clothes and stuff like that like it looks like a justin bieber i don't know if that's supposed to be justin bieber on the sweatshirt
4: some uh, little tiny baby shoes here. It, yeah it looks like they're taking
2: yeah. like somebody's clothes and just folding them up neatly and it's like oh shit something bad has just happened.
1: yeah it starts off pretty dark and you see like a bloodied knife there's this creepy looking guy and we also hear someone chanting some sort of incantation. And there are a lot of references in here, so I'll try to go through them. So he mentions, and a lot of these I don't know if I'm saying right. So he mentions Ovavini, And so I did find a reference to that in the Lesser King of Solomon. He also mentions Amdusius, who we talked about in Hellboy in Hell. And when we were talking about him, we mentioned that he appears sometimes in a human form. And so in this incantation, he says, appear to me uh, in thy human form. He mentions Beliah, who's described in the Lesser Key of Solomon as the 68th spirit. He is a powerful king and created next to Lucifer. He appeared in the form of two beautiful angels sitting in a chariot of fire. They also mentioned Lucifer. In classical mythology, Lucifer, or Lightbringer in Latin, was the name of the planet Venus, though it was often personified as a male figure bearing a torch. And later, Christian writers applied this name to Satan. And so that's where it kind of gets all that connotation from. Amdusius, that was the demon that grabbed... Edward Gray and Dragon. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for picking up that detail. They also mentioned Urshigal, who we've seen mentioned a bunch of times in this universe, not in a while. And I believe that based on all that discussion that we had way back then, we concluded that Urshigul meant like the pit or the abyss. You know what I mean?
2: Oh, right, right.
1: They mention Satan There's this thing called the Triangle of the Art or the Triangle of Solomon. It's referenced in the Lesser King of Solomon. It is used by ceremonial magicians of many paths to bind, summon spirits, or keep them away from the magician. And along the three sides of the triangle are Tetragrammaton, Satan and Primuation. And so these are all referred to the ineffable name of God or other holy names for God. They also mentioned Astaroth. We know a lot about that guy, right? I don't think he's going to be answering the call. (laughs) We mentioned Baal as well, which was a title and honorific meaning owner, lord, in Northwest Semitic languages spoken during antiquity. And then Baal also was particularly associated with the storm and fertility god Hadad and his local manifestations. And in the Hebrew Bible, over centuries, the generic term started to reference other deities. And it became associated with Beelzebub and demonology and all that stuff. So anyway, yeah, those are all those names that we kind of see throughout this. And basically, this guy is calling on all these people. We see that he's got the dead little girl there.
4: He's like calling on Satan and he's he's saying... Uh... You're going to obey everything that I say. And I'm like, do you really think that? Right, like, right. Is that a thing that you even think well, is going to happen?
1: And so we're, we're going to learn that this is Gustav Strobel, right? And so, yeah. Fucking we, goofball. And so we he was first mentioned in Buster Oakley Gets His Wish as the writer of that book. And then later we saw his crazy backstory in that witchcraft and demonology, super gory story that...
3: Oh yeah, and, mm-hmm. uh,
1: Antonio Caruso drew, and so remember in that story, he said that he had received a vision that he was going to be at the right hand of Satan. We can see
4: if here you that he say he's... so. I mean, like I, I don't know how... right. when has that ever worked out for anyone.
1: He's still obsessed with that idea. Sure, yeah.
2: Well, you know, Satan Satan's dead now, so I guess it wouldn't be too bad being by his right hand. Yeah, but yeah. this loser, <laughs> this loser doesn't
4: know that shit. He just yeah. thinks he's no, gonna know, command demons. It's it, kind it, of like that's never. never... N- it's never worked out. No.
1: Yeah, but has anyone ever tried by wearing a black and red bathrobe? Yes, yeah,
3: literally yes, everyone, every <laughs> single one of them. Yeah, I would say that he got that uh, a hot say, topic. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, it says like corn on the back. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. Or like, or like, uh,
4: what's the one nightmare before Xmas or whatever? Oh yeah, oh, yeah Nightmare yeah, yeah. It's Got like Jack Skellington on the back of it, and like, of course I'm you know we're joking around but like this is a really grim fucking scene because there's a dead little girl yeah on this altar which is yeah this is not quite as funny
2: i think the humor is so uh, we can deal with that. Yeah, yeah sure
4: <laughs> but yeah so this guy's a fucking loser and he's like screaming at the top of his lungs come forth and appear Ball and asteroth and the earth is divided and everybody's secrets of the truth and he then he's like okay well nothing's happening so he right. gets all fucking pissed off and he throws the pages that he's reading from into a fire he, even, he kicks over the altar and it's everything's burning down and so this guy's having a fit
2: he even takes off his robe
4: and he has a damn tantrum and runs out of the house all mad and they burn this house down yeah so.
1: and as he kicks over that little altar he says you feel that chill in the air it's not the air of damnation it's death for all of us in silence and so we know that everybody's dead in hell. So he's not getting... He's he's calling, yeah. but he's not he getting a He figures no one picked yeah. up.
4: He didn't even get the answering machine.
1: <laughs> and so we see as he walks out that the whole neighborhood looks like it's deserted. He was in this one house, and now the house is catching on fire from the altar. A lot of the
4: houses look like they've been stomped on by a giant guy right. monster. Yeah. yeah.
2: I was going to say, yeah, the, the whole town looks dead itself, you know, so everybody's dead in hell and dead in the suburb.
1: I thought this was interesting. So he goes, get the carriage. And when I, when I saw that, I was like, oh, this is so funny. He calls cars carriages. That's but good. no, later yeah. we see that they're actually in a horse-drawn yeah. carriage. Why? <laughs> hey. Just learn to drive
4: a car, my man. <sighs>
1: Which yeah, I thought that, was, but, take an Uber. But, it well, cool, cool. but it also makes sense. That's just not
2: cool, isn't it? But
1: it also makes sense because we saw the BPRD couldn't get any cars running either, and they had to resort to horseback too. So maybe we are back. Yeah. He he's been out of the loop so long now. His he's ways ahead of are, the yes, now. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. We cut to a meeting at the BPRD boardroom. Kate is talking about an Ogdraham that came out of Kansas. And the military is losing their appetite for subtlety. They want to drop a bomb on it. And the shot of this monster is crazy good, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. They just get better and better. Yeah.
2: Is that the monster that that probably destroyed that suburb we just saw?
1: Oh, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Kate mentions that its breath of change just turned everyone into mumbling, immobile, nonviolent kind of monsters. So I think that's interesting. There's different versions of right. what it'll turn you yeah. into. Mm. The UN guy says they lost 40% of life and they only have volunteer emergency services. And we also get Sebastian Fumara's versions of Kate Ponya and, and we also see some other guys with them in the room, in the briefing room. But I really like... Kate's um,
4: design is good.
1: Yeah, it's really nice. Kate also mentions Manning, so we know that he's out there. We haven't seen him in forever. She wants to send a team to New York. And the UN guy asks about Abe. He's been on the run since Cold Day in Hell. And Devon mentions that Abe removed the load jack from the truck that he took off in. He really didn't want to be found, Devon says. And Kate's like, enough, Devon. Devon says he was repeating the the report from Crab Point. And she's like, I'm sure. And I love all of Kate's physical... She just looks really frustrated. You know what I mean, as as she's uh, responding to Devon here and Crab Point. Yeah,
4: imagine there's still being bureaucracy. I know, right? during a time like this, that would be very yeah. frustrating. She's
1: trying to keep her eye on the ball. Very and Devon's bringing up all this other stuff, and so
3: look at that monster she's talking about. I know. This guy wants to quibble over. He's, just he's obsessed. He's like, Oh, we found yeah, we he's... found
4: the low jack in the truck yeah. that this and she's just like, Can you please shut the fuck up? <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to keep it together, and you are making that even more difficult.
1: And at one point he starts talking about all this stuff, the frog war, and Kate's like, Well, actually that started way in ninety four with Professor Ruben." He's like, Of course, and then he just keeps talking. Yeah. About how it's all, all this yeah. is connected to Abe. Yeah. Uh, it, it's also bringing us up to speed on all the stuff that's happened. And so he says that, you know, when Abe was killed in Crab Point during the Plague of Frogs story, he went into this thing. And before he came back, he learned stuff about himself, which we all, you know, learned about when we were reading that story. And Devon says now that he was asleep for even longer and he's kind of changed, maybe he learned more about what he is. And, and maybe, he's
4: got something to do with what's going on. Yeah. She's losing it, man.
2: The UN wiener. he's just like, Devin, you have just said to yourself, he's been inactive for months. Got so uh, we got more, more important out. things.
1: And Kate just, she loses it. She just tells all of them to shut up. She says, we'll find him. I don't care if he's not cleared for field work. And she just tells Devon to get out of there. Right? I don't
4: care what you think. You're dismissed. Go find that little crust punk you're so obsessed with. Right. <laughs> Love it. Very, very satisfying <laughs> to see someone tell this guy off, especially that it's Kate. Really satisfying to see her get tough. It's a very strong reaction, and I enjoyed it.
1: (laughs) And we also see this little panel at the bottom with Panya, so I wondered about her little expression there. It's the
4: same expression that we saw in that other story, where she was just wheeling away with the same look on her face.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. Interesting.
1: We cut over to the National Forest in Gunnison, Colorado, and we see the BPRD team. They just fried a bunch of those mole monsters, and we see these agents, Chan, Ferris, and Vaughn. And so uh, we've seen Vaughn a couple times in these stories. There's this sign behind Vaughn that we got to talk about, right? He's like, no monsters here, sir. And behind him it says, accept Jesus Christ or you shall be saved or regret it forever. Yeah.
4: (laughs) I like the the juxtaposition of like. The no monsters, because that's, you know.
1: Well, I think, and I think the the next line is also interesting because he says no sign at all. Yeah. Right after there's that giant sign behind him. And he's talking about something different, but
2: I I kind of. Well,
4: why else would that be there in the art?
3: That's. Yeah,
2: it's definitely intentional, but I mean. Yeah. That just, I read that, and I was like, well, that seems exactly like Christianity that right. <laughs> I've
3: experienced. I saw a witty church sign recently out here in Colorado that said, Rush up on your truth decay by reading the Bible. Oh, God. Oh, jeez. Oh, oh, my God. Uh, good one, right? <laughs>
2: I mean, I love a good pun, but damn. <laughs> uh, <laughs>
1: So these guys, they've tracked Abe's truck, and it's abandoned next to some train tracks. So Vaughn is like, hey, are the trains still running? So they get the idea that Abe may have gone on a train. And so we cut over to a moving train, and we are in the middle of this scene of these guys hanging out. They're smoking and drinking, and they're talking about all this end-of-the-world stuff. One of them, Leo, he mentions crab spider man that sing beautiful like Linda
4: Ronstadt.
2: You know, she did a duo with a uh, duet with a uh, Neil Diamond once. That's what you really?
1: were telling me. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so that brings the Neil Diamond <laughs> all the way back around. So I'll definitely.
4: Did any of them don't, sing d- any sea shanties? <laughs> Not
2: that I know yeah. of.
1: That would be the full. Yeah. yeah, that would bring the trifecta to perfect but, but union.
2: D- don't don't put that song in there. Don't that song is terrible. Oh, I <laughs> have to put it in there no. now, Aubrey.
0: You don't say you need me. You don't bring
1: and just uh, if oh, anyone's not done... <laughs> that, that you're no good you are no... is that... oh
4: that's yeah, a that's
2: okay. a great song
1: that is a good song but linda ronstadt born in 1946 is a retired american popular music singer known for singing a wide range of genres including rock country light opera and latin she's earned numerous awards many of her albums have been certified gold platinum or multi-platinum in the united states and internationally <laughs> Anyway, the crab spider monster, we see like a good picture of that. We haven't seen these crab monsters, right? Have we seen no, these guys I, yet? I,
2: I don't think so
4: designs are super creepy
1: and the guy says that it had these two girls under a spell by the singing and when it stopped singing they like snapped out of it and started screaming and the cops show up and they threw him in the tank because they thought that he had something to do with it so that's
3: kind of a weird story right Uh, yeah Yeah. like is it is what he's telling the truth or so right away like at this point in the first issue of this all new series i was like oh okay i like this but abe sapien is going to be kind of like the old Incredible Hulk TV show. Right, right. Yeah, where, right, traveling around. Yeah, you're just randomly meeting characters and they come and go, but you always get, like, their story helps build the world. Yes. And so, you know, these books are always about, oh, now I got to go reference this old issue or I got to brush up on this because, ha, I just used the brush up term again. But um, <laughs> but you know what I mean? They, you, you have to keep filling yourself in but with Abe, I was like, oh, okay, cool. Now, you know, I was talking about BPRD in the streets, but this is going to be a real street level perspective. Yes. With one of and our really main characters. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
4: Does he have black beard whiskey?
1: Oh, I was going to talk about that. So uh, let me find that part of the note. It says "Black Bear I Whiskey." Black Bear Whiskey. That's okay. a Texas whiskey, right? I actually found that it's in Colorado. It's in Green Mountain Falls, Colorado. Yeah. They oh, just no, no, no. opened a brewery in there. It's relatively new in 2013, which was the year that this came
3: out. So I wonder if that has anything to do with that. So I know Scott Alley had driven out here to meet with John Severin, who lived in Denver when he was alive. Oh, wow.
1: So I yeah, wonder if, that's a, if they came across that Green Mo- in Green Mountain, Colorado. Yeah, he probably did some research along the way. <laughs> yeah, so I thought that was pretty cool. And as these guys are talking, this other guy talks about his wife. She couldn't take all the hell on her stuff, and so I guess she killed herself. And so he sent his kids away. And after all the stuff happened after the return of the master, he tried to go looking for them, but he says there was no point. And he shows them this his arm, and it's all mutated and weird and gross, right? He says he doesn't know how he got it. Mm. This other guy is going out there to pee in the open train doors, and they tell him to go to this hole in the wall instead because the train doors could slam shut, right, if all the cars shift. So they throw yeah. that little detail out of there. And then this one guy, Leo, he says, the government's been blowing up monsters and all kinds of nonsense underground, a war with the goddamn things. Whatever they blew up down there, all the vampires come out of the ground as poison fungus, and it's been infecting people. And that's what that is, when he sees that guy's mutated arm. And so that made me think of Pickens County Horror. That's exactly what I thought about. Yeah, it also had Agent Vaughn in there. They also say that the mole monsters are from a lab in Texas. The government agency Hellboy was a part of. They were trying to develop new weapons ever since they lost Hellboy around 9-11. So I like how the public is taking these things like... We know that those monsters came out of a volcano in Houston, but they think it was developed in a lab in Texas. And they think know. that they think that Hellboy was lost after 9-11, which really he just quit and had nothing to do with 9-11. You know what I mean? But I love how the public would sure, take right. in these different yeah. things and put them.
2: Well, it's, it's funny because I remember reading the intro to this and they talked about how like he quit the Bureau in 2001. I'm like, okay, he quit the Bureau in 2001. And then when he says here around 9-11, I was like, that was in 2001.
1: Yeah, yeah. It
2: just it made the whole world just seem that much more. Yeah, exactly. You know, they got. I mean, even this world has conspiracy theories.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so this one guy, he just cheers to the whole thing. Here's to Uncle Sam, Halliburton, and the end of the world. And I already talked about that black bear whiskey. We see this cloaked figure in the back, right, with a big trench coat and gloves and a hat. And so, you know, we already kind of assume that that, maybe that's Abe. That's what I thought. And they also talk about the Salton Sea monster. We get a terrific version of that monster from Sebastian Fumara. And they also mention the eggs that it laid at the end of Return of the Master. At the start of this talk, then that hidden figure in the back... He starts to speak up and of course it's Abe. He's got his whole trench coat and hat deal going on which we haven't seen in a while. And Abe asks about the salt and sea monster and the people transformed by the breath of change. And the guys are kind of offended at first. They say that Abe was just watching them like TV. Abe says he's trying to piece it together. And one guy Okay, won- but
4: okay, you're sitting in a very close quarters, this very confined small space. Right. You're talking out loud to one another there's another person sitting there i mean yeah i guess i don't know maybe you should have whispered i don't know right he can hear you what's your fucking problem
1: and they start wondering why he's all covered up so then um you know they kind of uh
4: and that's another thing is that like one of them's already got something going on with their arm wouldn't they be like oh did you get hit too right yeah they're being it seems like they're being sympathetic to this guy, but they're not going to extend that same sympathy to this right other,
0: to this other guy. guy. It seems weird. Well, well,
2: I feel like it's the the bald guy egging him on, like yeah. yeah. The other guys, you know, probably been like, oh hey, you talk. Yeah, they red. He's the all like, what the fuck, guy. dude? You talk. <laughs>
4: the the red haired guy seems very upset about this. Yeah,
1: that's Leo, and he suspects that Abe is one of those vampires that they were talking about, and so they bat away his hat and reveal his face. And so yeah, I mean, uh Sebastian does a great job with Abe's look here and we see, you know, just how different he looks again. And this is really cool like this one guy comes at him and Abe does like this defensive arm behind the back move. I really like that motion as we see him kind of put that guy in this position and it's also like a, I like that it's a defensive move. Yeah, it's not, he's not like I'm going to I'm not going to turn around and clock you, right. you know, when you're coming right at me, I'm going to try and like move you
3: uh calm you down or whatever <laughs> so abe has been in that tank for months and he hasn't skipped a beat oh yeah yeah he, right he comes out like he's got all of his training he talks very articulate and right. intelligently you know yeah. I, I just thought that was so cool that because they had an opportunity to do oh abe's foggy he doesn't know who he is or something right yeah. but they didn't do that yeah. i hate they that were, stuff like, too Yeah, they're like, (laughs) he he might not look like Abe, but he is Abe. Yeah. The
1: whole scene is kind of paused when they realize the train starts slowing down. One of these guys asks, what the hell are you? He's a goddamn frogman, that one guy Leo says. If you only knew, Abe says, looking over his shoulder. And then also this scene is interrupted because those train cars slam, just like they were talking about earlier. The
3: action is perfectly paced. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And the guy, you know, the artist, I don't know if it was in the script this way or what, but he remembers where everyone was per panel.
0: Yeah. Oh, and, right. And from page
3: to page. And, yeah, it's all, what do you call that? When the guy on the movie set goes, oh, this cigarette's burned down too low. Oh, from, crap. From the Continuity previous Continuity manager. Right. Right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of that going on. It's very well done. Yeah. yeah absolutely.
4: And, I, and you that, can tell what's going on. Like, it's not just a bunch of. Right random posing yeah you know it's actually like the movement is very well communicated
2: yeah no matt i'm glad you mentioned that because i mean that is that is so important you know when you see like nobody's where they were from one panel to the panel is it's, right, just, yeah. it, it's mm-hmm. jarring you
4: can't keep track of the action yeah
1: this guy leo he cracks abe on the head with a bottle and abe picks him up by the neck but he just puts him down as they realize that all these lights are shining into the train car the fads leo yells Not the feds, Abe says. And we see it's the BPRD, right? And so they've come looking for Abe. That's that team that Vaughn is with, I guess. And they come in on helicopters. And so they set up that little hole where that guy was peeing out of earlier. So like Abe rips that open and he jumps out of the train car through there. We see all those agents with Vaughn checking on the train car once it stops. And so I thought this was kind of interesting too because... So when he opened the train car, those guys that Abe was talking to are in there... And they, they were just attacking Abe and all this stuff, but they cover for him. They're like, can you guys help a Gulf War vet with a skin condition? And they show him that dude's arm, but they don't say anything like, oh, he went that way or whatever. You just missed that fish guy or, yeah. you know what I mean? Um, I thought yeah, that was kind of interesting.
3: There's some unity there. It's probably like the code of the road or right, something like yeah. that, right?
4: Or maybe they just don't want trouble. Yeah. They don't want to have it be a long, drawn-out... You know something. We know you know something.
3: Right. Yeah. You're gonna
4: be. You know what I mean. Like that's. Who needs that? Well, remember shit?
3: the kid in Wasteland was like, yeah, they had Nazi patches on. Oh talking right. About the yeah. P.R.D. uniform. Oh right. Yeah. So these, why
4: would you help them if you thought that? Yeah.
3: Yeah, and these guys, they have no love for authority. Probably. I mean, that no, guy's a vet or of whatever. Right. Yeah. I think that they they're already talking about. Oh, Hellboy left after. or whatever so i think that i'm being redundant but this is the uh street level view and we start to find out that people yeah they know who the bprd are and they have their own theories who the bprd might be right Right. and so i think that when they see these guys they're like yeah screw the bprd i mean the one guy's flipping them off yeah Yeah, i was gonna mention that too (laughs) and the agents go through the woods looking
1: for abe they're calling out for him and they say that dr corrigan just wants to talk to you We flash back to the BPRD headquarters, and so this is really cool. We get to see that scene from A Cold Day in Hell, where Abe woke up and was looking at all the monitors and saw Panya there.
2: It probably picks up like right after that. Yeah.
1: Panya informs, informs Abe of all the changes and how his friends are foot soldiers in an unwinnable war. But that's not for you, she says. You aren't meant to march off to war. The world is still evolving, Abe. Do you still want to be a monster shooting guns at other monsters? And as she talks, we see flashbacks of the attacks from Return of the Master. We also see Call in his diving suit. Bass, if Hellboy's come back. I'm afraid he died. He fell on one of the many battlefields, gone and with him all of Britain. But we know that it wasn't all of Britain, right? We know that Alice has that one little part. She said that it was going to stay like that. Right. right. You know that, um, mm-hmm. yeah. where, where Kate was and it was all the lilies at the end of an unmarked
3: grave. I don't think it's Britain any longer, though. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're right about that. Look at Abe. Look how he's in shadows. Right. In that bottom panel.
1: I thought that was yeah. really good mood. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's his reaction to finding out that Hellboy's
3: dead, too. That one monitor screen behind him has, like, a question mark on it.
1: Oh, yeah.
3: I didn't notice that. Oh, yeah. yeah, That's really cool. That's like some sort of news report going, and we don't even know what's going on here. Right. <laughs>
2: I mean, well, that's Britain, right? It's Britain.
3: Because that's the oh. landmass of
2: Britain, and then that's Ireland right next to it. Nice. Do oh,
1: okay. you know your geography better than I do, Aubrey? <laughs> your friend carried the spirit of the old world, she says to Abe. His sacrifice preserved a piece of that world, but you were born for the world that's coming. Your world, and we get some great flashbacks here to Abe's origins. We saw
3: in Plague of Frogs. We've seen all of these scenes, yeah, so many times. But you know, I and we've said this before. We all love when another artist has their yes. take on it. To me, there's a lot here. This is like Abe's whole backstory, real quick, just in a few pages. And to me, it feels really new. Yeah. I don't know why. I think this artist is just killing it.
1: And I think just bringing it all together. I don't know if someone's brought all those different pieces of the story that we got in Garden of Souls. You know, we got a piece there. We'll talk about that in a little bit and BPRD the Dead, so it kind of wraps up all these things in in one big montage, which is really nice. Born Abe ass reborn Panya says again. Yeah. I mean, he's like 200 years old something like
3: that yeah Yeah. i guess you're right i never i didn't really think about that i mean he died at crab point that's what devon was kind of getting at right and right i mean how many times has he gone through this
1: how many times has has this happened yeah Hmm. panya says what comes next will be difficult but it's the reason why you are becoming what you are abe says that he's already figured out who he is and we get a flashback of the tragic ghost of Edith Howard from BPRD the Dead. Ponya tells Abe about Phoenix, the girl that shot him, and her psychic abilities. Ponya says, Phoenix's intuition led her to try and kill him. If Devon wasn't already convinced of your connection to what's happening, the girl has done the trick. And we get a flashback to Abe being kept in the tank and observed by scientists that we saw in BPRD Hollow Earth. Ponya says, Abe, if you don't find out for yourself, they will want to learn. Whatever happens, I know you will do the right thing. But I think she's totally fucking with him, too. I think that she's like, oh, well, if you stay, they're going to cut you up probably. But you figure out what you think you should do. Right? I mean... That's kind of, I, I don't know, she has this she, kind of...
2: She wanted him out of there for some reason. I don't really know why.
3: Yeah, I thought this was interesting. What do you think about this scene, Matt? I don't know why I didn't do this when I read it earlier this week, but now I want to go back to when they first met and see if maybe there's some sort of a connection to this.
1: Oh, okay. Like this,
3: just as far as why she's talking to him the way she is or, or if she has another motive.
1: Right, right, because it seems
3: like she knows more about him, too. Yeah. Interesting. And, and... She may have, you know, used her ability to see right. this, but well, yeah, I don't know. She always seems a little detached from whatever's going on, right. you know, like she's thousands of years old, right? Yeah.
2: And she did spend, um, that 200 years with, the uh, the same guy, the same people that, you know, he was with when he turned,
3: they were obsessed
1: with the O.N. Society yeah. were obsessed with Abe and all this stuff. Yeah. So
2: maybe they kept just yammering on about it and she just absorbed what they knew about. Yeah. yeah yeah
1: wow interesting and all this art is really amazing like you mentioned matt as they flash back to all these different stories that we've read and we see abe he's out in the woods on the run
3: that's such a great image anytime they show him running through the woods like that is yeah so cool.
2: it's almost got that uh, bigfoot look to it like yeah. you see those grainy pictures of bigfoot in the woods sure mm-hmm. it's really abe
1: <laughs> <laughs> now we're in gray rock san juan county in colorado and so this is a real place Vaughn and the agents are tracking Abe and they find something that looks like a footprint. We see this ravaged city, the highways all torn apart. So, a lot of great mood setting by Sebastian Fumara here. The city looks abandoned pretty much, and Abe comes across a church. So, I like that. It ta- starts off with the agents talking, then we kind of pan over the city, and now we're with Abe. There's a
4: sign that says Mike's office. Didn't
1: oh, this, yeah. Like, Mike, Mike Manuel. I didn't even make that connection.
3: Yeah, keep your eye on this corner, too, because like I was saying, the artist really does keep everything yeah. in, in proper continuity.
1: Okay, nice. Abe goes inside the church, and he heads straight towards the confessional booth, which I thought was interesting. Like, is he was he going to hide in there? You Maybe, know what I mean, yeah. right?
4: But it seems odd that he would hide someplace where he would be trapped and would have no real
3: right, exit. Right, yeah. With someone. That was interesting. Maybe he was just trying to see if it was empty or oh, not. Oh, if anyone was um, in right. there, yeah.
1: yeah. And he runs into this man... I'm sorry I won't hurt you Abe says but the guy is like oh you seem cool I've seen some guys like you on TV and he asks Abe if he turned into a monster as he walks up to him and he shakes Abe's hand you got close to one of those gigantic things and Abe's like no I have nothing to do with any of that
4: notice the light that's coming oh yeah behind Abe
1: yeah i like really like a, that so like an
4: angelic light
1: right so as this guy is walking up and shaking his hand to him it looks like a you know right, abe yeah. resembles something here i really like that good detail
4: well i didn't i'm not responsible for yeah this, well thank, but i think thanks for, <laughs> I know, thanks for pointing it out is what i mean
1: <sighs> abe says that he was looking for a place to rest and this guy reveals that he's a priest he says he's not in his uniform and he offers abe a room upstairs and he tells abe his story The creatures tore past their town. Almost no lives were lost, but now they're cut off from the world. And we see another great version of the mole creature from Sebastian Fumara. The priest says, the people who remain have learned to make do. Delivery trucks bring them food and medical supplies and other stuff, but they're having some trouble with plumbing. He opens the door to the room. Well, be my guest. Rest your weary soul. And Abe just looks at him like, why are you yeah you know what I mean this yeah. is so weird I mean like people should be kind or whatever but it's weird for Abe especially after just opposing what' not previous trust scene. That at yeah. all yeah the priest says that Abe looks like he needs sleep they'll speak later yeah so he leaves Abe in this nice little room right we cut back over to the agents on a Colorado Road and they talk about Abe and how he doesn't fit the whole pattern. No one else has turned into something like him. That disproves the whole idea that Abe has anything to do with what's going on in the world. Vaughn wonders why they're hunting one of their own guys. He knows Abe, and he knows he's one of us, he says. Oh no, whatever he is, I'm not one of those, the other agent says. And the little attitude that Fumara puts on his expression I really like.
2: I like uh, his uh, interpretation of like the mom and the monster from last week's story
1: yeah so we see a nice little flashback to the stuff that was going on in bprd wasteland by fumara and we do see the mom in her heart raincoat stuff yeah i like that and then so we cut over to this next page and this page is so beautiful it's paced so well it's just like a nice piece of art in of itself we see that egg shape that the jellyfish creature came out of at the end of Plague of Frogs. I always wondered if this thing was numya yabisc Sometimes I like to think that that's what it's called. You know, he's
3: dreaming here. Okay, yeah. Um, and I just thought of this. Wouldn't it be awesome if they had filled in... I just assume Abe has been dreaming a lot because he's been in that tank, right? Right. Um, wouldn't it be cool if you could get some Abe stories where he's just dreaming in the tank? Oh, okay, yeah. Um, because be it, cool. he, this is very... When the priest introduced himself, the first thing he do was flash back. Yeah, to this scene that he's dreaming about now, so it's on his mind a lot. Right, right. That's, That's an interesting point. bit of insight. And his visions do have a lot
1: of underlying connotation with other these broad strokes in the Mignola verse. So yeah, that would be awesome. They could definitely do like a one shot of something like that. And so this vision is really cool because we see the cocoon that the jellyfish was in we see the jellyfish and then we see both versions of abe too so they're all kind of there together all the different versions of what he's been we also see edith howard her ghost and she's asking for langdon call and so as he's dreaming the priest sermon is like coming into his dream and so he kind of wakes up to it as they're talking and the priest is talking about Part of the wedding sermon. What God has joined together, let no man tear apart. He's saying it applies to more than marriage. It refers to a man's flesh and soul and the man's bond to all of creation. The priest says there's no supernatural. Everything is part of God's creation. And those people that have been transformed have been transformed by God. We've talked about this on a previous episode that it would turn towards this when we were talking about absolutely a thousand years. Yeah, when we read like revival and stuff like that, you know, we talked about how there would definitely
4: be some people who would be like, "Oh, this is definitely God," or there would be a lot of people who'd be like, "It's Satan and his demons come to," you know, right? There's only going to be a handful of people that are going to get into heaven, and the rest of y'all are in the legions of hell, and you're. The mark of the beast is upon you and all this shit. It would definitely be a lot of that. Just It would be 100% right. cults taking over everything.
1: And Abe's like, he says to himself, wondered why he was so hospitable. Which I like that little line where <laughs> yeah. right right. he says to himself. He's like, oh, he thinks that I'm like an angel or he thinks that I was um, created by God or something. The priest says to read the descriptions of angels from the Bible. And so this made me think of that weird flesh moth thing in BPRD the Dead because they called it a seraphim. Right. Which is, that kind of uh, tied those ideas together there. We also see some people in the congregation are partially mutated. We see this kid that's got like this big elbow spike thing and he's there with his mom. And I think that we reveal that these are the, this is the priest's family, right? That's his wife and kid. And so the mom is like, Henry, stop it. I don't think you know what you're saying. And so the priest jumps down and he's like continuing to talk about all this. It all starts to go south as the priest yells that they'll be transformed by this angel that walked into the church this morning and that all the mutations are the touch of God from the monsters that pass by. And the priest mentions that he can recognize the touch of God among us. And we see see him pull the trench coat off this horribly mutated person, right? We see this person come up like a couple times, but it's like, why would you do that? You know what I mean? Like, why?
2: Yeah, well, it's that whole fanatical thing again, you know, because people are scared, but he's like, no, you don't don't be scared, look, this guy is fucked up, he's like, dude, what the fuck?
1: Yeah, this starts to become a big scene, right, the priest continues going on, yelling, and the townspeople are restraining him, and the wife comes over, she tells him that he has to stop. You don't know how this sounds, and she tries to tell the townspeople that he doesn't sleep and it's hard on him, but the priest just shoves her down and he tells her to shut up, right? So then uh, this other guy comes and he starts beating him and all this, it's just getting really out of hand. So Abe jumps out and he yells, stop it. And then so when they see Abe, it just freaks everybody out even more. Some some run away and some stay to fight him. And Abe, you know, he tries to reason with them. He's like, look, he's a your priest is a good man, but he is hysterical. It's just that, though. You don't have to be afraid of me. But they just immediately start swarming him to fight him.
3: Yeah, it's a classic small town full of fear and yeah. anxiety. Yeah. But in this case, it's not just like an out-of-towner coming through yeah (laughs) you know yeah the congregation we see them
1: wrestling the priest outside including his son that kid with the elbow spike and he ends up getting punched by the priest as well and all of this the scene quickly escalates into this mob justice thing and it gets pretty dark they take the priest outside someone grabs a rope and a shotgun and we see abe is still fighting off these guys The action is done really well here. And Abe, you know, he he really tries to keep it cool, but they're
3: not having any of it. Well, and notice Abe does not realize his own strength there. When he throws one of those guys, he punches a guy and there's like a boom. And then on the next page, the guy goes flying and there's a pause. There's like a. Oh, right. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right.
1: He's surprised by that. How much force he had there. And that probably didn't make things any better. You know? No. <laughs> so they started lynching the priest, and Abe is totally horrified when he sees this. This mutated person is also looking on, and so they're probably thinking that maybe they're next or something like that. And so Abe goes after him. The priest is getting choked out by the rope and everything. And so as he's getting choked out, he says do you hear sunken bells are tolling for thee out of the caverns of nunya bisque dark and terrible deep the ocean is calling her children home we see the head of father nicholas finishes that line all the way back from hellboy wake the devil and so really cool flashback i love all this that this is kind of this quote is tying all this stuff together that we've been hearing for so many stories
4: and this guy is thrashing around. I just want to point out the mo- how the movement is expressed. Right, Here, yeah. where he's kicking his legs around and how it just really looks like he's kicking his legs super fast, the way that this is represented yeah. by all the um, kind of... Uh, Those motion lines or yeah.
1: yeah, it's really graphic.
2: also like the uh, jetpack that Abe is wearing. Yeah. We, we haven't seen, seen him the- use jetpacks. We saw him use them for the first time and the last time on that story. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and he's also holding his arm. Remember, he got hurt at the bottom of that uh, when he fell down that thing. And so I just like all the movement by Abe, too. Like, these two guys uh, try to block him from running out there. he just takes one dude and just throws him at the guy with the shotgun. And so Abe is able to get the shotgun, too. And he's trying to calm people down. But he's just also taking these guys out with one hit. Like, he just hits this one guy across the face and totally
3: draws him back. See, in the background, Mike's office and... Home furniture store. Oh, okay, yeah, Yeah, that's where we are. Very cool. We're right back on that corner. As we turn the page,
1: we see the priest is starting to transform into one of these monster things and so remember earlier when he was like i can sense the touch of god and he pulled the trench coat off that person was it because he's one of those monsters too possibly yeah made me wonder about that and so the wife comes up while he's turning into this monster thing and she tries to reach out to him he's now this hulking mass of gross monster stuff and she's like oh honey what did they do to you And he just, like, constricts this tentacle around her and just breaks her. And we also see this mutated person that was also there with a trench coat. They're, like, transforming into something, too. They're like, oh, no, it's happening.
3: There's this great flashback to what Panya said to him. Do you still want to be a monster shooting guns at other monsters?
1: Right, because he's holding the shotgun there. So he tosses it to one of these other guys, yeah. Well, I, but I thought that was also weird, too, because wouldn't he be worried that this guy might shoot him? Like, they were just trying to fight him, so then you're tossing a shotgun to him? Like, wouldn't you be worried he's just gonna, like... Anyway, I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, this mutated person just starts to get really massive. This priest in his monster form, he's still talking as he's fighting them. And he says, Genu-hem is inside him. And come to save the world from the plague of man. And so we've had Sadu-hem, Ergo-hem... Kathahem. And what was that one from Abyss of Time? Do you remember what that one was called? Marahem or something like that? Or
2: can't remember. Something
1: like that. Anyway. So he's turning into hem I guess. And we also see that kid Mikey with that spike on his elbow, he's starting to turn into one of these purpley deformed things along with that other person. It's getting like crazy really quick. His sharp elbow thing is now this giant flesh spike. And Abe gets thrown around by the Genuhem, and then he goes for the shotgun after all. He was like, oh, I don't want to be the monster with the gun. And he's like, no, I need that gun now. <laughs> yeah, I love this, this panel right here. It's so crazy. So the kid, Mike, that turned into a monster, he starts going after the Hem thing, too. And then Abe shoots at it. And this panel is just insane with all these monsters. And yeah, he's tearing up that Mike's office furniture building. And then Abe gets a shot off that blows off part of this thing's head. And it's just really, really awesome, page. I mean, it's just so epic, the art by Sebastian Fumara here.
4: Reminds me of Clay Fighter a little bit.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah.
2: Oh, that game was the bomb. <laughs>
4: it wasn't really good at all.
1: Oh, it
2: was like, great, though. It
4: wasn't, though. Have you played it in a while?
2: No, but I mean, <laughs> I have fond memories, and that's all I need.
4: Yeah, no, the, the, the animation was definitely something that I uh, hadn't seen before. But yeah, if you ever go back and play it, it's just yeah. like, you can play it for maybe 10 seconds before you're like, all right, this is, that's it. That's right. the whole game.
1: <laughs> and so Abe gets that shot off, and then he turns around, and he bats the other monster with the butt of the gun, And then that big tentacle Genuhem thing picks up that monster and it's all crushing him and it's like big whatever tentacle thing. All incredibly detailed grotesque content by Fumara here is just really great. And the Gennuhem just keeps getting bigger and bigger. It's destroying the whole city now. I love how they uh, capture this realistic horror with a sense of scale. We've seen this going all the way back to Guy Davis. It's one of my favorite things about these series. Over and over we get this. They just illustrate the size of these monsters really well.
4: And like Matt was talking about earlier, we get sense of Abe's newfound extreme strength. Yeah, he's, he's like jumping around strong, and yeah. super agile. Well, and he's picking up part of a building it's just this enormous chunk of a building
1: yeah so he pulled the police pull up during the middle of all this and abe grabs this huge chunk of this building he drops it down on the monster's head this is all so incredibly amazing work
3: i mean that shot of him yeah, holding, it holding it up it above up his head is that, great i feel like they paused right there to be like okay does everyone see this check right. it this out yeah
0: <laughs> <Bad laughs>
1: ass Yeah, and I love when he smashes that thing on the head, too. It looks so crazy. We see all the police now are out of their cars, and they're all shooting at the thing, too. I thought it was interesting how the whole time the Genuham thing is still talking. We haven't seen a lot of of these monsters talking. At one point, he tells Abe, you're literally clinging to ruins. I thought that was kind of a nice little line there. The cops and the BPRD agents show up, too, during all of this. And Vaughn and the team are all shooting at it now as well.
4: The next world will have only one language. Ah.
1: Right. So he starts telling Abe to turn away from all this, leave it to the next race of man, children
3: to ponder, to wonder about. So is he talking about the next generation when he says children?
1: Yeah, I guess so. He says, "I think
4: um, he's talking about the Ogdru him and all this shit. How everyone's going to get turned into monsters, and they're all going to speak this right. weird language." Yeah. yeah,
1: he says, "The next world will have one language. We will teach it to them." And he starts speaking that frog language. Yeah, as he I think I think the children
4: him. are the frog monsters. Yeah.
1: He starts bashing around all the helicopters too, so he seems like he's getting bigger and bigger as this is going on. It's just really intense. He's got like a big like monster yeah. club as a hand that he's like bashing everything around with. And so
4: they're like they're shooting at him, but they're also they're like, Okay, this isn't really why we're here though. We gotta find a date. Yeah.
3: They're like Let's keep, keep your <laughs> mind
4: on that. So
3: Oh, it is just getting so crazy though. It's- it really does. Yeah. The action is just intense. It's pretty wild. The monster tentacle
1: totally explodes a guy right in front of Vaughn as he's talking. And like, it's so messed up when that happens. And so Vaughn tries to hide behind a cop car, but he gets thrown by the monster. And so Vaughn is able to escape this encounter. And so I really love this page. He runs around back. The pacing is really beautiful. And he sees Abe and he yells after him. Vaughn, Abe responds, and they just kind of look at each other for a moment, right? Vaughn's not going to shoot him, and Abe's just standing there. And then we turn the page, and Vaughn gets fucking killed, the arm spike kid. It's just so fucked up. We barely knew him either. Like, we, we really haven't seen him for that much, but I really feel like we connected with this character, and it's just like, it Just we, we've been relating to so many of the human characters lately, so it hurt to see that panel.
2: I agree with that statement, John. I, uh, when I want to the panel, I was like, oh, shit.
3: Yeah. I love Vaughn. Uh, Pickens County, the mission was essentially over, and he had a chance to run away, but he was like, no, I gotta see it through, and he yeah. went back to the cabin, where he knew there were vampires in there. Right, And Ooh. I always thought that was like a great character point for him because it's like, man, you could have just hit the road. Right. But he's like, I'm not, I'm not going to leave another threat behind. I have to see it through. So I, I just, when, when he died here, I, you could feel it. Yeah. I just, I thought he was maybe not one of the more popular characters, but they took time to really let you know what kind of person he was. Yeah, Yeah. That's a good point.
1: And after that thing stabs him, Abe smashes it into a brick wall. I really like that, too. He like uh, the amount of force there. And so as his
4: teeth, sorry, I like the silhouette of his teeth. Oh,
1: yeah. He's got those like sharp teeth. As all this is happening, you can hear the BPRD agents in the background. They're like, it's down. Round it up. Is he here? So they killed that Gennuhem thing, but they're still looking for Abe. Yeah, so that was a crazy scene. Really nice action packed scene. Back at the BPRD headquarters, they're all in the monitor room. Kate asks Devon if he's enjoying this. And we see the scene of Genuhem on their TV screens in the background. Kate also calls those moltings hammerheads, so maybe I'll use that name from now on. And we also see Professor O'Donnell.
4: Professor O'Donnell.
1: He says, Kate is right. Those creatures started all this, and if agents hadn't been looking for Abe, that monster would have destroyed southern Colorado. Instead, they're recovering survivors. How many do we lose, Kate asked Devon. Count's coming in, but it's a mess, he says. And we see Vaughn dead, and that spiked arm kid dead, and the carriage is pulling up, right? Strobel's carriage.
2: When I was reading this last night, and the carriage showed up, I was just like... What the fuck's up with the carriage, man? <laughs> right,
1: and so this is the point where I I remembered. I was like, they actually are in a carriage because I thought when he said that line earlier that he meant he was calling a a, a car. No, a but carriage. the cars don't work like you said, yeah, like you yeah, had said earlier. Yeah. So oh yeah, no. yeah. But it is weird to see a carriage pull up, like because you see the little the old timing like lantern. It's it. the color is done really well too, but then it pulls up to where we just were, so it almost. It almost seemed like it was a different scene, and then this brings us back around to, oh, okay, I know where we are now.
2: Yeah, it, it it's like a Victorian style carriage. Yeah. I'm all like, oh shit, are we gonna find out about Jack the Ripper? And it's like, no, it's just, <laughs> it's just fanboy. not Gustav.
1: <laughs> oh, but hey, uh, not to side side quest too much, but did you hear that they're gonna explore the Jack the Ripper, yeah. Edward Gray story? soon? Yeah,
2: there was a uh, article on the Hollywood Reporter about it. It was really awesome.
1: Did you hear about that, Matt? yeah i can't wait yeah that's gonna be cool
2: i think it's funny how we were actually just talking about that like what three or yeah. four episodes ago
1: <laughs> kate says that they'll have to test the guys and let them have some rest before going to denver and we see strobel and that weird guy that he was with and the weird guy is taking the spike from that kid and we see strobel he's got his fingers over vaughn's face and he just says perfect Kate says to call off the search for Abe. No one else goes out on that. Too much going on. Abe will have to come in when he's ready.
3: And we see Abe walking off into the water. The end. Um. Hey, this uh, issue is the first time I ever used Kill the Black Flame in the letter column. Yeah, I saw your letters in there.
2: Oh, that's awesome. And
3: Scott Alley said, I want to see how long you'll maintain that sign-off, Matt. I love it. So <laughs> what year was this? When did this come out? 2013. 6 years going strong. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Still using it. Yeah,
1: so that was a great story. I want to talk a little bit about some of the sketchbook stuff
3: on we're going to scroll over to 357 in the sketchbook. Uh, the action was something we haven't seen in the BPRD. The the way it was done in these three issues I thought was Phenomenal. Yeah, I think Um, Sebastian,
1: his art style is very similar to his brothers. It's kind of like when we talked about Gabriel Bond, Fabio Moon, but I feel like Sebastian's motion, especially with Abe on this series, is just like
3: really, really well done and just um so fluid. Yeah, it's a huge payoff for not having Abe for all that time and then having that fight in that town and you know, leaping through the air, throwing stuff over his head, smashing that guy into a brick wall. Epic.
1: Really, really awesome. And There are some great sketches in the sketchbook of Fumara sketching out his designs for Abe and all the different characters. He also has a picture in here, a warm up of Abe that he did before ever starting on the series, and it's like the old version of Abe. It's kind of interesting to see how he would do that. He says The cover of the series was very tough. I remember I was a little nervous about it, mostly because of my admiration and respect for the character. I wanted to get it right, so I had the crazy idea to tell the whole story of Abe in a single image. And so he posts his little thumbnail for it, and it's Abe, and behind Abe are all these different, like, file pictures. There's a picture of him in the tank, there's a picture of Phoenix shooting him, there's a picture of Call, there's a picture of him being found, and so he was going to try and use all these different elements. But he said, When I finished doing the sketch, it was clear to me that it wouldn't work. I still wanted to get Langdon, classic Abe, and new Abe on the cover. So I came up with a second sketch below, and so this is what the actual cover ended up turning into. After talking with Mike and Scott, we thought it would be better to keep new Abe mysterious, but a little more in the spotlight. Then Dave Stewart came in and used his wonderful colors. He brought all three Abe's together, but kept them separated. So if you look at the cover, they're all on there, but they're through the color, they're separated. How awesome is that? And he just set the perfect tone for the series. And so, yeah, we get a picture of that cover as well.
2: So, what do y'all think of Abe's new design? I think it's cool. I do, too. I think it's fucking slick as hell.
1: Yeah, and it kind of, it it makes him look more, he has a further detachment from looking like a human. I dig it. Like, know? it shakes it up a little, too. Yeah. Yeah. This next page, he also has his layouts for the cover of Issue 2, where Abe's sitting there with his the shotgun. I love the cover of Issue 3. I think that's the one where Abe is just sitting there with a shotgun across his lap or something like that. It's a great cover. But we see in the cover to Issue 1, he did still incorporate some of the elements because we see the picture of Edith Howard and the little ictosapien paper and a frog there. So he was still able to incorporate some of that stuff. But yeah, what do you think about this?
3: The the tone of this series is definitely a little different, right? Yeah. Yeah. The first issue is pretty straightforward, but you can sort of feel that Abe Sapien, the series is—I um, don't want to say—it's like poetic at times. Yeah, the storytelling—I uh, want to make sure I articulate this right. It's—it's it's almost like it's flowing instead of being delivered at times. Like mm. I said in the first few issues here, it's pretty straightforward. But sometimes it feels to me like if you're standing in a stream looking at the water, right? There are story elements flowing past like reflections of light
1: oh yeah no you definitely some get a them, sense of that in this series yeah
3: some of them really catch your eye but others are moving too quickly but uh you know thankfully you can go back and reread this yeah. stuff for clarity but i do think the shift in tone might have been a little jarring to the readers i'm not i'm not sure whether
4: i think it's fine I was okay with... yeah
3: i mean it really i really thought knows. it
4: was well i'm a, t- I'm a fucking you know <laughs> idiot though so i don't <laughs>
1: Well, to jump on that comment a little bit, I thought it was interesting in the Omnibus version. They don't have any of the chapter breaks. The breaks are only between the stories. And I think that kind of goes along with what you're saying about it kind of flowing along a little better. But I think when you're reading it as a chunk of three issues, it definitely flows very well. I think some of that could be interrupted when you're reading it as a single issue month to month. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, what's
3: with the guys on the train? You know, why are they spending multiple pages on them i think that's all good foundation building but you know if that's you're waiting you do a when month, you
4: break out of a a secret government facility yeah you get right. on the train right
1: and, and i love your analogy also matt because it's very abe you yeah. know it's yeah. water-based and yeah oh, that yeah. goes along with the theme maybe that comparison holds true for um you know that, that's maybe that's not just your thoughts on it maybe that was a deliberate choice
2: Mm. I don't like how it's um you know the BPRD has been going you know, is going the one way it's going in hell on earth and then um this Abe is kind of like a uh, like a like a different thread and we get to follow both threads yeah, yeah. through this hellscape level world that they happen to be inhabiting with Audrey and him and just roaming all over the yeah, damn planet it keeps it interesting. And they, and they don't even know the black flames around you to kill that bastard
1: yeah <laughs> we haven't even got back to him yet. Awesome. So we'll have another Abe episode next week. And now Aubrey's going to say all the things.
2: All right, everybody, share us your thoughts on Abe Sapien, Dark and Terrible. You can send us a Hey You Damn Guys at Hellboy at gmail.com. Follow us on Facebook at Hellboy Book Club Podcast, on Instagram and Twitter at Hellboy Book Club. You can also find the Discord link and the reading loader on our Facebook page. Also, be sure to check out our friends at MignolaVerse.com for all the wonderful stuff they do over there. Thank you, Paul. Always, Paul from Garden Hunt for the amazing theme. You can find the podcast on. Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Next week, we are going to be talking Abe Sapien, the new race of man. So, you know what to do get those back issues out and join us next week on the Hellboy Book Club podcast.
1: Thanks a lot for listening, everybody. I'm John
3: Salinas.
4: And I'm Danielle.
3: And I'm Matt Trekvine.
4: It's Matt Trekvine.
2: And I'm Aubrey Lillis saying, I don't care what you think, Devin.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> 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 Nobody does.